I'm Tanya Burke, your host of We On The Table, and today we have another excellent, excellent, excellent episode in season one. Yes, we are in season one, and today we have sister friend. She's a regular sister friend of the show, Tandy Carraway. She is the founder of College Mode Academy, and I like to call her the scholarship whisperer because Tandy is out here killing the game and getting millions and millions and millions of dollars for the students that she worked with who are going on to higher education, those who want to go on to college. She's helping them fill out the application. She's helping them pass that SAT and ACT with them scores that they need to get into those prestigious universities. And she's just giving them knowledge in general on how to survive in the college life. So I'm going to let Tandy tell you the rest because, I mean, she got so much to drop to us today. So stick around and hear what Tandy has to say. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of We Own the Table, where you do not have to beg, borrow, or steal a seat at the table because we own it, we built it, so it is ours. And today we have a great sister friend who's joined us, and y'all, she's a regular sister friend of the show, so you see her today, you're going to continue to see her, and she has a wealth of knowledge and information that you want to know about. And our sister friend Tandy Carraway is here, and she is going to be dropping, when I say dropping them nuggets, and I'm not talking about chicken or catfish, so put your <laughs> barbecue sauce and tartar sauce away. Tandy is going to be dropping those golden nuggets about yeah. how your kids, or even yourself, you know, even us grown folks, we, we, we go to school, we go to college, but it's just getting mm -hmm. them ready, getting yourself ready. Uh, to be educated and have all the, the 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 things that you need in order to get there. Okay, so Tandy is she's an award-winning educator. She's been recognized by the Florida State Senate and House of Representatives. You know, she has empowered countless students. When I say countless students, on being able to further their education and 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 being in a financial position in order to do that because that's that's so important these days. These yeah. days. Absolutely. All we hear about, we hear about, I think more so than we hear about COVID-19, uh, more than we hear about that other man in, in, in office. I mm. think we hear more about the student debt, you know, the, yeah. the, the student loan debt in our nation. We hear about that more than we hear about any other thing. And so we have Tandy here that's going to give give us some more information about what we should be doing so we don't end up in that position. Absolutely. So I thought she was going to be dropping some, some golden nuggets, not chicken, not catfish, but some golden nuggets. So Tandy, yes, yes. we're so glad, Sister Friend, we are so glad to have you here today. We're so glad that you are here to talk about this subject. Please, you know, we gave an introduction of you. Please let folks know who you are, what you do. And I mean, just how did you get here? How did you get here? Listen, so I am a good old Texas girl. I was uh -oh, she she throwing out that Southern. <laughs> throwing out that Southern. <laughs> but, you know, I spent, I, I tell people I, I was born and raised in Texas, but I grew up in Miami. <laughs> so Miami, Florida. So, um, what happened with me is I had over a million dollars to go off to college and I became an educator myself and I spent so much time 
just trying to get students out the door graduated because that's what the school district had my mind focused on. Wait a minute, hold on. Before you go on, Teddy, before you move on, you just brushed around that like, you know, (laughs) like, like, you know, I had $5, you know, wait a minute. You had a mil over a million dollars. Yeah, I had over a million dollars in scholarship offers. And that was the the role to that was not easy, of course. But when I say it wasn't easy, it, it, it took a lot of strategy. It took a lot of strategy in knowing that that's what I wanted. And I tell people all the time, had I known that I was going to be doing this, I wish I could go back and point to the time where I decided I was definitely going to college. I know it happened in middle school with the program that I was in. I was in that magnet program um, that it just gave me a lot of exposure. My elementary school was a traditional elementary in a black neighborhood in Texas, you know, in Dallas, Texas. So in the hood. Okay. That zip code right now that I went to elementary school in is one of the poorest districts here in Dallas. Uh, Well, sections, let's say that. And so growing up, it didn't have a lot of resources. Um, the teachers were the resource. Let me say that. The teachers were the resource. They served me well. Don't get me wrong. They served me extremely well. But at the same time, it was because they took time with me to do stuff um, that the next levels were, e- were, you know, I won't say they weren't easy. They were easier. Let's say easier. <laughs> And I believe that I could do some stuff because of what they had shown me at the beginning level. So mm-hmm. my sixth grade math teacher asked my mom if she could keep me after school to tutor me to put me in a math competition because she felt like I was the only kid that could compete. She didn't have to do that. But it let me know that people had confidence that even when it's not the norm, they'll take time to, you know, to push. Um, my first tutoring job was when I was in the sixth grade. The fifth grade teacher, my old fifth grade teacher came and asked the sixth grade teacher if she could have me when I finished my work to tutor um, a young lady that came in from Mexico that didn't really speak English. And the teacher knew she didn't have, you know, she could, she didn't know our multiplication tables already in the fifth grade, any of that stuff. So me and her were back down the little cubby hole and she paid me 50 cents a day to tutor her. Mm. So that was good wages for a fifth, you know, for a sixth grader back in the 80s. Now I'm dating myself, but yeah, there was a lot of those little things. Um, the, the, what middle school? Yeah. The middle school that I went to, they had this huge, you know how they have the middle school open house and all that stuff. We didn't have enough students that were quote unquote students good enough to go there. So the counselor put us in her car and took four of us over there. I would have never been exposed to that. So that's why I said they served me well they were the resource. We didn't have a whole bunch of resources. Um, but that was an opportunity I took advantage of and I was accepted and it really changed the trajectory. But when we talk about we own the table, that school, I talked to one of my classmates from that school and they were like, you know, the school was getting extra funding for being integrated. And I was like, at our age, you don't think about integration. Like you don't think that like, they were still trying to integrate schools at the age that I came in, but actually they were. And that school was getting funny because it was exactly 40% white, 40% black, 20% other. Wow. It was exactly that. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, it was a million dollars, but I tell you, I had to, when I tell you I had to hustle for that, I had to switch high schools because the high school counselor I had wasn't concerned about me. Mm. And I tell you, she wasn't concerned about me. <laughs> Man, I understand that because I, you know, I've had some stories that I've been able to tell about some of the counselors that I've had. And it seemed like they were just purposely working against us, you know, working. It's like, why? As and you, don't even know. Women, you know, I, they were starting early. And the th- but see, this was the thing. And, it, and, it, and the truth of the matter is, that's exactly what it was. And my family having grown up, grown up in the era, you know, my grandmother and stuff grown up in the era that they did, you just don't make waves because it's a privilege to be able to get an education. And then you're in all these special programs. So you can't come in here like starting trouble. Um, 
you know, being a rebel without a cause that I could, of course, I could be at times. <laughs> so it was like, what are you doing? And I'm telling, I'm like, this lady is messing me up. I don't know a whole bunch. I'm still trying to figure out this college thing because I'm first generation, right? So there was nobody to help me. But I had started asking questions. So that's why I know somewhere in middle school, I figured it out. And, and I was like, I got to ask a whole bunch of questions because nobody else at home going to be able to help me with this. I got I to gotta ask a lot of questions. And so I, had, I was ranked second. I would have been a salutatorian at that high school. And the council was unconcerned about me. Unconcerned to the point where I was going to have to go to summer school. And uh, here in Texas, you have to pay for summer school. And it was $250. Mm. So me having to go home and explain to my black family how I had A's and I was going to have to go to summer school and it wasn't my fault, nobody was trying to hear that. And I was like, this lady, I'm not going to be able to go to college. And not only that, I can't deal with the drama this is going to bring at the house. Mm-hmm. She trying to she trying to bring the thunder. She trying to bring she trying to make it rain over there, not in a good way. Exactly. <laughs> she tried to yeah. She tried to bring a whole different kind of heat. I ain't trying to have. I'm be at the table feeling like I'm sitting under lights in an interrogation room in a minute. No. And I was like, if that's the issue right now, tenth grade by twelfth grade, this lady gonna have me on lockdown. I ain't gonna even have no senior activity. <laughs> but yeah. So at that point, I transferred high schools. And I remember my grandmother saying to me when I, the high school that I decided to go to, it was, it was 99% black. And it was the high school that um, one of my great aunts actually graduated from the high school during segregation. That was the only high school black people could go to initially. And then my grandmother had graduated from the other black school down the street. And she just couldn't understand after me getting into all these selective magnet things and academies. Why would I be trying to go to the school in the hood? Like, I think you're trying to be with your friends and you're trying to be with, I said, no, ma'am, I heard about it. They get money over there. Somebody doing something. I don't know how it work, but they going to college over there and they get money. This lady over here got me going to summer school. I don't even know if I can graduate, even though I'm salutatory <laughs> at this point. And she told me, she said, if you sign, she said, I'm going to sign this paper for you to go to that school. But I don't care if you come home crying every day that you don't like it over there. You stand until graduation. You're going to walk across the stage from that school. I don't care if you cry every day. And I know that that was her way of making sure that it was an educational decision that I really thought was best for me and not something. Because one of my cousins went there. Um, that I hung out with that was, we were in the same grade. And so she thought I was trying to be like closer to my cousin and stuff like that initially. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, so I had to even go against, I had to go against everything to really get in a place where I could access what I needed. And I have, to, I teach my students that all the time. Like sometimes you have to get some stuff up. I had a lot of great friends, like nothing was wrong with the school I was at. Like I loved it. I was going to be captain of the flag corps the next year. Like, I had set myself up to do some great things, but none of that was going to be worth it if I couldn't go to college. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's great that you had the foundation to recognize that, you yeah. know, as as a youngster, as a young young woman, um, thinking about, you know, as young as you were, thinking about your future and, and, yeah. and seeing that, okay, this person over here is really going to jeopardize my future. And this yeah. system is set up to where it's trying to keep me back. So I'm pretty sure that's kind of what motivated you, somewhat motivated you to, to where you are today. And yeah. so you have created with the College Mode Academy. Yeah, College Mode Academy. And I laugh now, one of my eight, my eighth grade English teacher, and I also took German with her. She's on my Facebook profile now. She was in comments clapping back at somebody i'm like i don't know how she, old she is but i'm pretty sure she in a second or she still so i had i mean when i say that was my biggest blessing and resource uh were the teachers and the people that god placed in my path and the knowledge and what they poured into me so i i reach back to do the same because there's so many obstacles it's like these kids are trying to play frogger 
It's like hurdle, hurdle, hurdle. And, you know, they don't always know how to get over that. They don't always, we're trying not to program them to have an excuse. And so a lot of times we as adults, as black women, we know that that's a, either a systemic thing that's meant to keep us out or that person doesn't care enough about us. And if another person walked through the door, they would care more about them. But we, you know, in raising your kids to go for what they want, that still can never be the excuse. Because we wouldn't be where we are. We stand on the shoulders of people who never use that excuse. Mm -hmm. And so in that being the case, you need to be able to pour into them and say, okay, like I told a kid this week, that's above your pay grade. Tell your mother that this is what she needs to do if she has any questions. Let me know and I'll walk her through it. But they don't recognize, we're in a different generation, so they don't recognize systemic things. They don't recognize sometimes when things are meant to keep us out. We grew up seeing the fences and jumping over the fences. Mm -hmm. They see like clear glass. You know, it's like a glass ceiling type thing for them and they don't, they don't really identify with that is there for that purpose. Well, yeah. I, I know that, um, and having three kids of my own that, you know, have had to hurdle through these different systems and, and, you know, all of them, um, have gone to college. Our youngest one is in college now. Her first yes. college. So it's, you know, it's, I know it's overwhelming for the students, but it's, uh, it's overwhelming for the parents too. Absolutely. And when you don't know what to do, when you just don't, you don't know what to do. So like, how did you come to say, okay, this is how I want to help families. Cause it, you know, yes, you're helping the kids, but really you're helping families. It's really the family. And I'm, it's very interesting as an entrepreneur. When I came into this space, my response was really, I'm running from the public school classroom, to be honest with you in the sense of, I walked in the classroom and go speak, help, do whatever. I took off a whole week of my life to go help one of my teacher friends to a um, small group tutor. But me, as that's what I'm depending on every day, and I have to go in that place, their mission is not my mission. And so every time I'm in there as in that role, it's a all day long. Because my mission is the kids, and their mission is to keep all their numbers and agendas and systems running. So it's going to be a problem every time. So for me, I said, I'm done, God. I cannot do this public school system. I know how it runs now. I'm very well equipped, I believe, to create solutions from the outside because initially I was doing work with my church. And I was like, I really don't understand what's happening. I need to be on the inside. But um, after a while, after about eight years, I was like, I'm, I'm sick of forking me. I'm done. What's my next move, God? And he's, he was literally like, share your story. And I'm like, I'm not doing a tell all, but like, I mean, if you say I have to, but mm -hmm. I won't be clear. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, and it was, you've not really shared the story about being a million dollar scholar and, you know, having a million dollars and how people can go to college, like how students can do that. And so that was the initial part of it, Tanya. I really didn't know. I knew that I didn't want to duplicate. So what I told my friends that were in education that I started out just calling them and asking questions about what they thought was I'm like, I'm not trying to duplicate. I want to find the gap because there's some huge gaps in the road for those of us that are first generation ourselves, like myself. Um, were you first generation? Yes. You were first. Generation. So for us, we know what all we had to jump over. But in my mind, once we jumped over all those hurdles and got our degrees, it should have been easier for our kids. And what I was noticing at that time that I was starting college mode, our second generation kids were more at risk of not going to college than our first generation kids. Wow. A lot of times. Because wow. what was happening is all the stuff that we used to get into college, now us being successful adults are at the age where we're making too much money. So we're too rich to be poor, too poor to be rich. We're in this weird donut hole where we didn't have, we weren't making enough money to save when our kids were younger. Mm -hmm. Now we bought a decent house in a decent neighborhood and got a car and we can't afford to contribute to our kids' education, but not what the government is saying we should be able to contribute um, 
they're saying we should be able to contribute ten, twenty thousand dollars. Ooh, child. Listen, got to adjust your glasses and everything. And yeah. I kept saying that over and over again. I kept, I, I kept hearing from people, you know, my class. I just kept hearing that over and over again. I'm like, something is wrong with this picture. And then I remembered, yeah, when I was applying, they were looking for low income and I was low income. So I didn't have that hurdle to jump over. So the next one was the next second generation families where the kid is second generation and the parent is first generation. Those are my favorite families to work with because they know the value of education and they know what's at stake. The parents absolutely know what's at stake. The kid, uh, I, don't, I don't know, sometimes. <laughs> but the parents absolutely know, know what's at stake and they also understand that this is unrealistic. No, I didn't have time to save because I wasn't making the money I'm making now eight years ago. My salary looked totally different. My life looked totally different for most of us at that point. Um, so that's how I really ended up is I just kept looking for the gap. And what I saw was in the, um, let's see, in the lower income neighborhoods, the school started taking over what the parent would do. And the parents wouldn't know anything. The parents would be like, the school said, the school said, the school said. And they're like, I was waiting on the school. And then in the middle income, like second generation family, the school would be like, we're, we're going to take to it. We're going to take you through the process. And what they would do is start out strong, have a senior meeting. And then the parents be like, and then they wake up and other kids got acceptance letters and financial aid and they're like what was I supposed to do there what happened and there's just like this big gap in communication breakdown and only the there's this thing about that top 10 15 percent of kids really get the counselor's attention mm -hmm. and that middle uh that median group the second quartile and the third quartile those kids were getting left behind. So that's what I saw as the gap. I saw that the median kids were not getting attention because a lot of times they were thought as like they not that, they're not that serious about college. And then the parents have been under assumption and pretty much whatever their education, their kids' education needs have been up until that point, the school has handled it. So when the school says they, they got you, you think they actually got you until you get to the end and it looks like a hot mess. So that's, so, that's how I, I ended up doing it. That from the point of, you know, uh, like you said, being the first generation and then being a parent of children who, you know, okay, now it's their turn to go. And you're right. If, if you're not, uh, if you don't have the knowledge, mm -hmm. if you're not on top of it, blink of an eye, you will miss out on any and everything that is available to you and your child and yeah. before you know it you're like wait a minute uh, when that happened how did that happen yeah yeah the same people who was there talking about oh i'm counsel so and so and i'm gonna be here for you and i'm not knocking counselors because i've I mean, i've been a counselor for many years um but you're right there's that time where these kids fall through the cracks and especially those who aren't considered the poster children. The exactly. ones who aren't the ones, you know, the ones who aren't like a fixture, you know, with the, with the counselor or those who hold the key, you know, cause there's always yeah. that gatekeeper in these schools. And I, that's the one mm -hmm. thing I really would like to see change that every last student get the same information the same type of resources the same type of love and care from, uh, it, it, from the school systems than they do yeah. because i know firsthand when i was in high school our college and career counselor she had a hand select of students who she would work with mm -hmm. and then she would the other ones and and uh, and most of the ones who she would kind of push away were black and especially black young, you know, young girls, mm -hmm. she would tell us, oh, she would preach going to community college mm -hmm. and tell us we couldn't go to uh, universities. And then at that yeah. time, you know, we didn't have the internet like we have right now when oh. I was in school and I'm dating myself, okay? <laughs> but we didn't have it. 
And so I remember when it came time for the UC applications to come out. And if you wanted a UC or CSU application at that time, you had to go to school to get it. You had to get it from your counselor. And so when you have a college and career counselor that holds the key to that and they are not on board, you know, with seeing certain people go on and matriculate, you know, then you get left in the cold. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you've created, you know, uh, a program, like you said, to fill in that gap, to fill in the gaps that has been there for so long. So tell us a little bit more about the College Mode Academy and what happens, uh, you know, when students and families, because this isn't just a, a student thing, this is a family mm-hmm. thing. What it happens is. when student families are a part of your academy? So what happens, um, it's developed over the years. Now, I'm going to tell you, I started out with like this individual student program. Um, if you're an entrepreneur, you know how you think you got it, you got it down packed and then you find out what was I thinking. So I thought I just needed 20 kids. I'd be happy. Uh, everything will be great. Yeah. 20 individual appointments every week. Yeah. Do the math. That was going to work. So I've morphed from individual as I grew and then going out to speak and hosting workshops, um, like how to get scholarships, like the nine ways. You know, I have I have a little handout that I normally do. Quizzing, I've done like financially fit for college where we just strictly focus on the finance part. Um, and so I've typically done two to three good size outreach things when from from day one I've done I've partnered with libraries churches and things to do that to get the information on the community but when you actually sign up for college mode academy we bring the student in anywhere from I'm actually going to start taking eighth graders this COVID mm-hmm. thing brought up some stuff that I hadn't um I hadn't saw it, it, it exposed another gap basically um our kids that want to go to super selective colleges they actually need to come in in eighth grade because I need to watch the gatekeepers. Wow. <laughs> wow. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. If they're going super selective, like uh, Ivy, um, less than 20% acceptance rate type colleges are around there, the gatekeepers are a huge problem because if they're not in the right classes, they'll never, they'll never even be considered. That's right. They'll that's, never even be considered so if they're not in the right classes. So, um, we're bringing them in, and the writing skills have become are becoming more and more um, of like a measuring stick that also is like mm, you can't come in because mm-hmm. now we're seeing the more elite HBCUs like FAMU now is requiring the uh, writing the essay portion of the uh, SAT test and the ACT test as part of their admission criteria. So as that's happening, it's just not enough time because when a student comes in with me, I'm looking at them holistically. So there's five things I'm looking at when a student comes in. I'm assessing them on their academic ability, their leadership ability, um, how well they test, because unless we go, it'll be interesting after COVID. But the thing about testing right now is testing, we keep hearing test optional, but mostly test optional for admissions not scholarships so mm. if we're talking about money we got to pay attention to the test scores mm. and that's where a lot of people miss and right now i hate to say it it's going to be a whole generation of us that are not listening because we want so much like us as the parents are so fearful to test ourselves that we're trying to give our kids a pass on the test when they really don't have a pass um so testing leadership service and then wow factor so wow factor is that wow card it factor. Some people call it the it factor. What is it about this kid that's uniquely them? Where they can stand out and shine and amplify who they are. You know, what is it that if we shine it up, it becomes that flawless diamond that everybody can see it when you see it on paper. You can see it when you come. they come in the room to interview with you. You know that that's who that kid is. And it takes time to really develop that. So my signature program we take the time to develop all of that. Um, and it's interesting, it kind of all happens at the same time. One of my kids was like, I thought I was coming to Miss Sandy for tutoring. <laughs> 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 
But I was a whole different person by the time I left because all of that stuff is integrated. Um, so that's when a student comes in, that's what we're doing is we're working on all those things. And leadership is important because character is tied into how you lead. And so you can't be a good leader and have crappy character. It just doesn't work. And you don't hear that too often. You know, we, we hear, you know, when especially the conversation about going to college, we just hear about go mm -hmm. make those good grades and do well on, on those tests. People and so that's I if I were to say if anything is anything is different, I really work my kids that become full ride scholars that have extra money. Like I have kids that are getting five thousand um, dollars a semester refunds or more. Those kids and then I have a kid last year. She also was a mil she won over a million dollars. My kids don't often go that high anymore because what they typically do. So she said I, I ran over that too. Wait a minute. <laughs> You know, it just hit me like, you know, sometimes, you know, you had them moments, you had them days where you you like, you're a little slow on the, you're a little slow on the, you got to catch up a little bit. And it just hit me. And I said, wait a minute. She said $5,000 coming back. Like, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and then she said, okay, I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to, we're going to run that back. Okay. I need you to touch on that a little bit. So we're going to run that back. The difference yeah. between the kids that have that money and that kind of success is who they become in the process. And when I brought those kids, because I brought the one that, that has, now that was her quote from a couple weeks ago, because I was like, I don't know, how much money do you have? <laughs> um, so you are saying that there are students out there that have just just have mastered and done what they needed to do to where they are getting money back? Oh, absolutely. Oh, we do that regular in my camp. I probably don't. I, I know you're looking at me like, why you ain't said nothing about that? <laughs> you just gave, yeah, you just gave me that look that somebody else we mutually know be given. Yeah. Um. So, yes. I mean, that's really because the thing is, so college is tuition cost wise. What you pay the school is tuition fees, room and board. But college is really, you got books, you got transportation. If you go out of state, right? You got food, all of that stuff. Cause they're not going to eat in the cafeteria all the time. You got computers. They Ooh, need. Tell me about that. Don't want to eat in the cafeteria. Tell me about that. And then my son had to buy clickers when he started a few years back, you know, it's just all kinds of other expenses that come with college and depending on the program they're in. Um, like I have a kid that's down in um, Keys College because we started her actually at the community college because that was a better fit. But we got a black girl down there scuba diving. Mm. So she wants and so she's already certified as a marine mammal trainer. She wanted to be like a trainer that works with uh, the sea lions and the whale, all the marine mammals like SeaWorld. You know, I'm trying to think of the whale's name. I can't remember his name. Shamu. Know, Shamu. She wants to work with the Shamus and the dolphins and all those things. That's what she wanted to do. So we put her in a space where she could do that. So for her, she needs a lot of equipment because she got a she needs a wetsuit, tanks, all of this stuff. All of those are college expenses. So if she didn't have the extra money, parents gotta, you know, either do that or she's just not gonna be as successful at what she wants to do. And that's what's happened typically to us, right? Is like we we don't have fully what we need, so we kind of just make it work, and then we see the 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 point in that. But um, I would say, if I was the ballpark, it probably thirty to forty percent of my students get some type of refund. Um, you know, it it just depends, but it's who they become. If they step up in this process and start doing the stuff they need to do on a regular basis. By the time they get out, they'll have it. If they don't, they're going to miss the window. Now, the difference is I've also had students that it clicked, but it clicked in like March and April. <laughs> and at that point, they were able to get scholarship money and, and, and make some moves, but they didn't fully get where they could have gotten. And then when we check back in the next year, that's when you see, okay, they really got it because they're moving. Like I have a young man right now 
he has quite a bit of money. He won a $20,000 private scholarship, but the testing was an issue for him. He didn't fully take that seriously. Talking about he left his calculator. Mm. Anyway, so I told him, I said, there's a scholarship out there right now that will cover everything all the way through grad school, but it's going to take some time to do it. Are you going to do it? He's like, I'm going to do it, miss. So it just, it, it, it just depends. So some of my students don't get into college debt-free. They uh, work their way to getting being debt-free by the time they get out. And then others, they're debt-free and flying themselves home and on vacation and everything else in between. Uh, so, yeah, you it's, it's really possible. But you got to be strategic and you got to work it. You got you to gotta work the program. You got to work it. You got to be willing to put in the work. You brought up a good point of, of you said some of the students like here they come starting in April and March. When should families really start this process? Like when should this process start? Like when when is is there is there a time that's considered too early? And and, and I don't what's think like I said, I'm, starting, I'm starting in an eighth grade now. Every eighth grader won't be a good fit, mind you. Every eighth grader won't be a good fit. Those eighth graders that I'm looking for are the ones that are already taking like algebra one in middle school. They're already taking like they're already taking high school classes in middle school. Those those are the middle school kids I'm looking for. Um, too late. That's an interesting question now for me. Because these kids that are going through this pandemic. They needed to start at the beginning of junior year. They really did. They really did. So typically what I say is too late is if you're starting the summer before, I take students then, and my cutoff date is usually around June of the summer before senior year. But that is a kid that the parent needs to lock up the phone part of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like. Mm -hmm. It's really late, but because I have a system, we can push through it. If you're at home trying to do this on your own, you better start 10th grade year. Because you're likely to miss something and need time to catch it back up and work on it. Yeah, definitely. Starting senior year is just not really... The only kids that can start senior year are kids that... Somebody like the programs they're in have been moving them and they just didn't know that that's what was happening. And now they need somebody to help them snatch everything up and bring it, bring it all to a close. Um, but technically they would have started. They just didn't know that the school they were in was such a college prep school sometimes mm -hmm. that, that they, the wheels have been moving already. Mm -hmm. So, so some, some schools have built in systems. Some you know, schools do have built-in great systems. Um, some of them have great, excellent systems. Don't get me wrong, but a lot more don't. Mm -hmm. A lot more don't. Yeah, the vast majority don't. When I talk to them, they'll tell me things like, oh, all of our kids get to college. All of our kids get accepted to college. Um, I had a counselor argue with me. I said, you know, you really should bring this up to your admin they were counting kids that had a C as a 1.0 mm. in the GPA. And I said, this is railroading them when it comes to scholarship opportunities. In college, a 2.0, a, a C is a 2.0. And I said, and then even when I was teaching in high school and we used letter grades in the system, a 1.5 was a C, but a 1.0 has always been a D. And so it was a charter school. So you got to watch who's running the school and, and, and how knowledgeable they are about what's going on. And she, instead of her advocating for the kid and saying, you know, I remember being in college because all co counselors have to have a college degree. And a C was a 2.0. Why would we, you know, do something different? Hmm. She argued and argued with me. Oh, that's how all the schools. I said, it is not. It is not. And it's not required by the state of Texas. Lies you tell. And the lies you tell. I told the lies you tell. I said, and I want the documentation on it. I want the documentation. And so she just argued with me. And I said, I'm not going to argue with you about this. And I'll probably be at a school board meeting soon. COVID has happened since then, but no. 
So we have to know, like that kid's parent didn't realize because his GPA was under a two, a 3.0 and he was in um, dual credit and all his dual credit classes he took, he said that every time he looked around, they would be looking at him like he ain't supposed to be there. Like he wasn't supposed to be there. So you know what kind of system he was in. And so, so I had... So they were just setting up kids to fail over there. Just setting up kids to fail. I have one. I have one now. I I question her. She was so hot. She was so hot. Sometimes I do go start trouble, y'all. It is what it is. Who? If I don't do it, who will? Mm-hmm. You know. So I told the counselor. Now she said, "Well, they can't take this, and they can't get access to. They can't take the SAT. They can't take the PSAT until uh, 11th grade. They can't take to the 10th grade." I said, "Who says?" I said, kids all over this country take that test starting. I took it in the seventh grade. I said, so I'm trying to understand if the parent is going to pay the money to take the test, who are you to be the gatekeeper and say no? She's telling me all this stuff. She said, well, their test scores have to support. I said, so how do you decide, like what I said about the eighth graders, when I will sit down and strategize which classes the kid needs to take to maintain the GPA we're looking for to be competitive at the end. I said, who's deciding who gets to be in a class? Oh, the students. Uh, well, no, she didn't say the students. She said, well, why do you ask that? No, the question was, how is it decided <laughs> how students take classes? And she said, well, pretty much we have that set, and it's based on their scores. I said, what scores? Oh, their eighth grade score is coming in. I said, eighth grade? I said, for 10th and 11th grade, you're using it. Eighth grade state scores? kids might have been asleep while they was taking that test and then we can't but and there's a whole other conversation about how those tests are are racially biased anyway you know how a lot of those tests are not you know they're they're not really looking at our children right right Mm -hmm. all all of this stuff and you telling me you're gonna use eighth grade scores the kid didn't have nothing at stake they didn't have no credits at stake when they took that test they might have tried to punish the teacher they didn't like because there was no punishment for them doing poorly on that test. Um, they may have just been immature. A lot of a boys immature slow. So I do a lot of that fighting argument on behalf of my black boys a lot of times because I they get, you know, black women, we have our issues, but in the system, our black males in the education system, they're underestimated. They're underestimated and pushed to the side all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the boys. When you look at a gifted um, population, you look at an honors AP class. If it's five girls, it'll be one black boy. Yeah, I think that with uh, black women, because you know we are, you know, black women is the the, the top rated and and the highest number in terms of educated in the United States. So we we have the bachelor's, we have the master's, we have the doctorate degrees and beyond, um, you know, black women. And I think in terms of black women, I think we get to push back in the school systems because I, you know, I remember some things, you know. Oh yeah, we get pushed back, but we will fire off. If we're educated enough, just like oh, that, we don't. We yeah. don't we we and pop your ass in the mouth if you try to keep <laughs> us from getting where we need to go. Yeah. Right. If we're educated enough that we're going after that, we're gonna snap back at you. Our boys, we taught them to be so respectful and not to upset people and not to be a threat that they don't know how to advocate for themselves without being that, and so they just don't say anything. And so it's like, okay, all right, I'm gonna come to the council's office with y'all today. Well, that's great. So, so in your program, you're you're providing them with the tools and the resources. You're mm-hmm. probably providing them with the education, yes. and you're providing them with the advocacy. Yeah. I mean, I don't. What other programs out there? I mean, you see these top rated, uh, these top, you know, corporate programs out there that people claim are top rated where people spend oh my goodness so much money on just so their kids could do better on the SAT or the ACT or whatever they're not not even providing a fraction of what you're providing these students 
No, and that's the you know, and that's the thing I tell families, and that's why I said I love second generation families because we know what's at stake. And so when I come and talk and, and explain to them, listen, if you come into my program, I will let a senior in that's doing test prep somewhere else because if they've already started and built that report, it's going to be hard. We're already running uphill as it is. But an underclassman, we, I, I tell them, I said, test prep is included. You know why? Because I don't trust nobody else to test to work with my kids and get the scores I get. I just don't. Um, I haven't seen it happen. I haven't seen it happen. Unfortunately, I'm waiting for somebody to disappoint me, you know, so I can be like, okay, we, we have another option. But I haven't seen the consistency in getting than what they need so that they can perform on these tests. And so because of that, I provide test prep because that's the only way for me to make sure the outcome that I'm looking for to help them with, with the scholarship money, that it's going to be there for them. And, and it's a very interesting thing. Like you say, people are paying. I remember a parent when I was teaching high school math um, wanted me to communicate with one of these big box tutoring brands and stuff. And she said, I got to take out a second mortgage on my house to pay them. Mm, mm. And I was like, girl, you need, you and her just need to get up early. We do, me and my little crew up here, we do tutoring every morning. <laughs> she said, you can get, a, you can second mortgage your house and so y'all can get up early. Which one y'all want to do? And sometimes we just not making smart decisions. We just not making smart decisions. And so... I don't know. I, and, and I, you know, you brought up a really good piece when you said that, Tony. You, you, that was so, a light bulb went off in my head because you're like, you're doing the advocacy, you're doing the tools and the resources and the education. Where else can I get that? And I think because they can't get it anywhere else, people don't always understand what I'm offering them. Mm -hmm. They don't always understand what I'm offering them because there's coaches out there that just do, we'll get you into your dream school. There are coaches out there that like, we'll help you with financial aid. And then there's a lot of companies out there that do test prep. They don't understand that I'm doing a holistic approach to this, that all these things got to move. It's like the old school equalizer. I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, I got to find them a picture so they know what I'm talking about. But the old school equalizer where you're constantly adjusting to get the sound you want. I'm constantly adjusting where this kid needs to amplify a little bit more so we can get the outcome we want. Yeah. And I think too, if you have, I mean, if you have, if you have this ongoing system mm -hmm. of where, you know, if it's been rammed down our throats on, this is what this is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And what we have been told you know, so many years of what you're supposed to be doing mm -hmm. doesn't match what what you're doing, and it does not. Design. That's by design. You that's, know, that's by design. Mm -hmm. yeah. It does not match. And I regularly have to tell my parents and students, "Your school is probably going to tell you X, Y, and Z. They're about to say this, and they're about to say that. We don't go that route because of this. It's going to be a hindrance in this spot. It's going to create a stumbling block." over here um and then the relationships that i build with my students over that time i'm able to say things to them that a teacher can't say to them right um the other night we were on and i said you know i don't want black mama on y'all tonight y'all just got to deal with because <laughs> that's what y'all needed tonight i just had to go black mama on y'all so y'all could really understand what i'm saying um and then i posted a clip yesterday i think of me just really being more of their coach and counselor and knowing when to do that with teenagers is so, so important. Knowing when they're afraid and they need, or, you know, or they just don't want to do it, you know, cause they, they're rebellious. Teenagers are rebellious. And so knowing when to push against them for the rebellion and knowing when to, you know, pull back is so important to get them moving forward. And everybody is not looking at that. A lot of people are like, well, they should be able to do that, even with this virtual thing. Like, you you can't stay online yourself all day. And you just tell the truth. You can't stay online yourself all day. You can't stop and get off of social media yourself, some of y'all parents. 
Now you want this kid? Ooh, girl, why you telling on? Why you why you doing that? Why you putting? I'm calling. Why you putting a blast? <laughs> I'm calling a spade a spade. Which is true. Which is I'm true. Telling, stop making up this stuff. You can't do this stuff. Some of this stuff you asking these kids to do, and sometimes they are capable. Don't get me wrong. I don't believe in giving excuses when they are capable, but other times. It is what it is. They're not there yet. They haven't arrived. I've had parents like, they need to know. I'm like, they can't arrive before they arrive. I don't know what to tell you. You know, it, it it's until they see themselves. It's only so fast we can run. When they see themselves for who they are, we can run real fast. Mm -hmm. But until they see themselves, like this, this morning, I had a breakthrough with a kid that I've been working with off and on. She's a junior. Since she was in the ninth grade, it was a beautiful moment. Everybody else on the call said the answer was something different. And she stuck by her guns and was like, mm-mm, that's not the answer. <laughs> but the that means her confidence is there. The confidence that she hasn't had the past two years, we've been working really hard to build that. Her ability to study on her own without feeling overwhelmed, mm -hmm. we work really hard on that. And there's times where, okay, somebody would have preferred, like, she should be in test prep. I can't prep her beyond what she's willing to receive. That's anybody. Like, mm -hmm. nobody can help you beyond the help that you're capable of receiving at the moment. So if you're not capable of receiving, then you got to work on their ability to receive. And come back around to it and that's what's different um me and the big companies when you pay your money for that eight weeks they're gonna put out the content tell your kid what to do either they do it or they don't do it and then they give you also too i think um the downside to some of these companies is it's a cookie cutter what you get everybody gets so your child might have special needs. Your child mm -hmm. might have, uh, you know, might need something different. You know, right. they may need something to be tweaked a little bit according right. to where they are. They don't get that in those programs. They don't. They absolutely don't get that in that, in those programs. I have kids that are. Um, you're absolutely right. I have students that have IEPs and 504 plans, and they still go to college with scholarship money. They still go to college scholarship money because it's a matter of adjusting to what they need. It's a matter of advocating sometimes and saying, nope, that's not going to work. The kid needs this. Um, it's a matter of I, I get on the phone and go to the I, I call into those meetings, too. <laughs> because I know at the end of the day, it's somebody, it's kids around here that are saying, I, I can't speak to what disabilities or challenges other kids have and don't have what i know is the access that they have and the privileges that they're getting they're taking it you know they're kids that get to take up to three days to take the sat mm. Mm. uh is it uh what's the woman name uh felicity huffman and all, all them folks you know you know, we just hear, we didn't heard about these scandals of these parents who didn't pay folks to take their SATs and created uh, created these false narratives for their children to get into college, and the kids going along with it, and husbands and stuff going along. The whole with family it. going along with it, and so those accommodations and things that they were taking advantage of were not meant for their kids; they were meant for some of our kids, and then. I had a I had a student, I told the parent, I said, now, if they give her a double time to take the test, the test is three hours and some change normally. If they give her double time, that means she got about six and a half hours to take this test. Can you sit and take a test for six and a half hours? And especially if you got a learning challenge. And she's like, the school said, well, that's how they're doing. I said, nope, go to the region. Because that the that means the test coordinator just don't want to waste their time testing another day. But if it was for that state test, see, this is what I know. For the state test, 
I had kids when I was teaching that got all day for one subject. And if you can do it for the state test, surely you can do it for this kid to move on to college in their next level. Yeah, so that's true. I hadn't even thought about that. The, the, the moves that they make in order to get those scores, mm -hmm. to get, get those dollars and to get that recognition, but not doing the same in order to move our students to beyond them. Beyond you know, them. Yeah. Uh, beyond them. Yep. And, systemic stuff. Yeah. And there's so much in education, you know, and I just want, you know, I want to briefly talk about this because um, I'm seeing this real push and, 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 you know, I've had a background in working in, in education more on the vocational side, um, mm -hmm. more dealing with once they kind of get out of high school, but I've done mm -hmm. high school as well. But, I, you know, I remember when I was younger, the, you know, there was a lot of big push on vocation. So mm -hmm. you had your shop classes and you had right. cosmetology and they had the ROP programs and all these different great, which I, which, which is terrific because yeah. if you can get a skill while you're in high school uh, on top of, if you choose to go off to college, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. Hey, Hey, that's a, that's a money making skill. Hey, I'll have a problem with that. Then at some point, somebody said, hey, we don't want to talk about vocations anymore. We just want to talk about college. So nothing but college. So now we're starting to have this conversation of like, like going to college is bad. And and I, I, I'm not too happy with that, that, that conversation huh. because, yes, I understand there is a lot of debt in terms of student loans. It's expensive. Yes, it is expensive to go to college. But we need not have this either or, you know, we right. talk That's about exactly what I was gonna and, and push people to do vocational schools or or just mm -hmm. go out and get that job. Or we just going to talk about college. We have to have a healthy balance. Exactly. In our society, what what makes sense is what we need as people. And so as people, we need doctors. Do you want a doctor working on you that ain't been to college? Child, some of them have been to college and I'm questioning them. Right. <laughs> like, hmm. Listen, where did you go? Do you want a nurse measuring out your medication that haven't been to college? Okay. And so we have to be mindful of just because there is a job out there or there are jobs out there that don't require college, it doesn't make college bad. It doesn't like you said, there's not this either or, okay? And then the other thing is where college does get to be a bad choice is when you are not ready for college. You're not going to do, it's the same thing I said before. I can't prep you for something you're not ready to receive. If the only reason why you feel like you got to go to college at this point, everybody else doing it, you're not ready. All your people, oh, No. And it speaks to, I, I really, that conversation, especially because being an entrepreneur and the entrepreneurship, everybody's like, they could be an entrepreneur. Everybody can't handle these risks. And if everybody's an entrepreneur, then, you know, where are the services and the systems of services that we use? Who's going to man those? Yeah, I mean, like you said. Everybody can't be the same thing. Yes, everybody. We have to have people that's going to you know, clean the buildings, you know, we have to have custodians, we have to have, you know, teachers, we have to have doctors, we have to have nurses, we have to have educators, we have to have a run of the meal in terms of, you know, what our workforce looks like. Not everybody, yes, not everybody is going to work in a field that requires them to go to college. And some people work in fields that's an entry level to start right. them off to, to, to have to the conversation to go to college. But we still need to have these conversations about all of the options that's available to our children. We need to have, we absolutely need to have them. And there are programs where it's, it's a hybrid. Europe is a program that's a hybrid. Um, and that's a hybrid of you get a freshman, your whole freshman year is free. So you're debt free. And you get, um, they give you a stipend while you're interning at like a fortune 500. So like Chase, Bank of America, the Federal Reserve Bank, I send kids where they, where they're ready to move in for the level and maturity where they are, whether it be academically, most, whatever that case may be. 
as just the young lady that was down at Keys College. I knew what she wanted to be. Sending her to a four-year university initially where she wasn't going to have any contact with animals, but she had spent her whole middle school years being at the zoo once a week. She was craving back contact with the animals because that's who she is. And going to a four-year university in marine biology, she wouldn't have touched a live animal to a senior year. She wouldn't have been motivated to stay, you know? But sending her to a place where she can get certified, get her associates first, and then transfer to a marine biology program at a four-year school, and she has everything that she needs, and she gets to walk in at a place instead of being entry level. When she goes and does the four years, either she can go right away and decide, I'm going to go work somewhere like SeaWorld, and they have tuition reimbursement or something, and I'll let them pay for my other two years. Whatever the case may be, she actually has an option to stay at all four years is, is the way we set it up. But just knowing that, um, I had a student that I put through the year up program because she just academically wasn't ready to put in a work that a traditional college requires. A traditional college environment wasn't the right place for her. But their kids that came out of Europe making 88 grand a year, mm. if they work the certification because they, they offer them project management, coding, all of that they get in that program. So it just, it has to be strategic about how you're trying to set your kid up for the future. And I have these conversations. For me, your degree should be a 60-year degree for you. You should be able to use it in your initial career, your next chapter, all that. You should be able to leverage it. If you're not ready for that kind of commitment, maybe you need a starter plan. But don't be taking out debt to go to one of these trade schools because that's something else I'm seeing them do. The commercials are on all day. Come sign up, come sign up. And it's like, mm -hmm. they're going to run up. Guild trip go in and spend all that money. And some of the, and some of those programs, you can get the same education at a community college. All and, of them. And, and don't and don't pay anything. I haven't seen all of them. And what they do is prey on people who are eligible for Pell Grant, run all your Pell Grant money out, and then when you finally ready to go to school, like you go be a medical, you go to school to be a medical assistant. And they're like, I'm in medical school and I just I have nothing against it, but I, I'm like, don't hype them up beyond this is where they are and help them understand this is the entry point. But to sell themselves, they are very uh, unethical, very unethical mm -hmm. in that process. Yeah. And, so, and oftentimes the, they, those are careers where people are, are, are making money, where they're kind of still impoverished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and and their money doesn't match what they owe these schools at all at all that and i tell so my little cousin oh he was so upset with me but i won't leave it alone <laughs> once i find about you know my husband teases me and uh his cousin they call me the bulldog time we gonna call the bulldog take care of that one <laughs> but he kept telling me he was gonna go do this program um, and I told him, I said, it's great. I don't think anything's wrong with that program. And I do know that it wasn't a more, it wasn't as popular, you know, it was to um, work on airplanes. And I said, but that program is 10 times, it, it literally was 10 times the community college price. I said, why would, I'm going to be done in nine months. I said, and then it's going to take you 10 years to work it off. I'm like, your tuition reimbursement at your job covers the other one, and you, yes, you got to take 18 months. But in 18 months, you're free and clear, and you're making good money. He's like, oh. then, he, then he said, they won't let me in. They keep talking about I got to wait. And they got all these little kids in front of me. Them kids don't even know what they want to do with their life. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, this is how you, you know, and it's, and that's what, I, what you said about advocacy and people knowing. I said, okay, so here's how you handle that. Here's how you can get around that. So he's in the program doing well, but gatekeepers. When you don't know how to talk with gatekeepers, when you don't even know that, that, that that's what that is, you think it's normal, but it's really a gatekeeper and it's not normal, you, you run into these issues. You just do. 
Well, you have dropped so many great, like I told y'all, I told y'all she was bringing, she was, she was going to make it rain, not the way you thinking, but she was going to make it rain. I told you she was going to bring well, it. I make it rain at the end of every year now. Every year. <laughs> we do make it rain over here in college. No. But I told, you, about the paint. I told you all that Tandy was going to bring it. And so I want to thank our sister friend for coming on today and sharing this useful information. Tandy, how can the people reach you if they want to be a part of the College Mode Academy? If they want to get more information about you, how can they reach you? They can find me on social media, Facebook. Um, yeah, I'm over there with the Facebook aunties. Because we're the ones that have kids in college right now. We're trying to get to the ground, but I ain't moved over there yet. Okay, y'all. So, <laughs> Facebook is just Tandy Caraway. You do the search. I have a Facebook group called Get Scholar Dollars. Get Scholar Dollars. Um, and you can get to that by going to GetScholarDollars.com. And it, it takes you right into the Facebook group. Uh, so I made a vanity URL so you can get in there quick. And then my email, you can email at info at collegemodeacademy.com. And yes, I'm right now I have space for, whew, woo child, let's see. For October, I'm doing an intensive program for people that were like, I missed the deadline. I didn't know I was supposed to be doing this. And they're waking up and realizing I'm doing a five-week intense program for class of 2021. And then for... Uh, our underclassmen, we have a few seats still open that we'll keep open for a little while longer. Okay. So there you have it, you all. She gave you your information. She gave you the information. She said how you can reach her uh, on Facebook and beyond. Now, don't y'all be coming and inboxing me 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning talking about give me Tandy information. Give me her number. And I'll be like, bloop, there you go. You gone. So... <laughs> Make sure that you do reach out to Tandy. And I mean, not just even, not even just, you know, our younger folks. We got, we got some older folks who trying to go to school and go to college. And I'm pretty sure she has some information for you all too. Yeah. About what it is that you need to be doing to get yourself ready to be, to going into the college uh, system. So Again, Tandy, I thank you, sister friend, for being here. And like I told you guys, Tandy is a regular sister friend on the show, so she'll be coming on regularly talking about all things, getting you ready for, for beyond high school, getting you ready to, you know, to go off to college and getting the money to support you and, uh, and going to, to college and doing those different things. So, again, thank you, Tandy. Thank we you for having you. me. For, for coming out and to all my sister friends out there thank you for joining us for another episode of We Own the Table and again we're not begging, borrowing or stealing we're not even bringing a folding chair because we own the table see you next time <laughs>